Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden, and we've got a little bit of a midweek check-in on the Falcons in training camp before they head up to participate in joint practices with the New York Jets for you today. So we're going to just kind of touch on some of the bigger news notes that that have happened this week. Um, not going to get into too many different things. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode for you guys, but just wanted to bridge the gap between preseason games. Uh, and give you my thoughts on just a few things that have popped up in the meantime. So as I mentioned, the Falcons will be participating in joint practices with the Jets on Friday and Saturday. I'm going to be keeping tabs on all of that uh, to really kind of stay up to date with everything and how um, certain position battles are trending, obviously leading into the Monday night game that they will play against the Jets. Uh, I will be recording a preview of that game with Mike Rothstein of ESPN that will be hitting y'all's feeds uh, early Monday morning. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to kind of sum up the joint practices, how those went, and then look into who needs to have a big second game. Um, you know, who could either cement a roster spot, who could really make a strong push for a roster spot. How are we feeling about just the evolution of certain players and their maybe progression getting back from injury? So all of that stuff. Mike and I will hit um, in the lead up to the game and then following the game, Alan Sterk of the Falcoholic, who will be in attendance in New York for this one, is going to hop on and share his observations from watching it there live in New York. So he will have a really unique and interesting perspective. Super excited to chat with him about that one. So again, look for that after Monday night's game. Um, And we will. Now, get into some of my thoughts from the week right after this. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports like MMA and boxing, esports like video games, obviously, and even golf. Want to live tour, PGA, probably both. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. I want to start today um, just talking a little bit about the report from Mike Rothstein, who again will be joining me before the game, uh, on Marlon Davidson's knee. Apparently, according to uh, a source of Mike's, he had his knee scoped. Um, nothing too, too major, it appears, but Again, according to to Mike Source, he will miss the rest of the preseason. And that's a pretty big blow for a third-year defensive lineman who, you know, everybody had really high hopes for as a a second-round pick 
um, when he was drafted. And he's just had a really hard time staying healthy. To his credit, he's you know battled through some of the injuries at times, but it's clearly hurt his abilities as a player. He's not been the player that he looked like coming out of Auburn. That flexibility, the kind of raw strength that came from a lot of the you know lower power or lower body power that he's able to generate just doesn't look like it's been there as he's been dealing with a lot of lower body um, issues since entering the league. So, you know, I, I am glad and honestly, I, I hope that nothing more comes of this, but it seems like it's nothing too, too serious. So let's hope that it's not. I don't want to speculate any further. Um, but again, the fact that he's going to miss the remainder of the preseason, if if that report is indeed accurate, that's tough because I, I don't know if a roster spot was as locked in um, as as it was last year. Certainly as a second year player, that's a little early to give up on somebody. But, you know, year three, I still I still lean lean that he's going to be on this roster when all is said and done, even if he you know, misses the rest of the preseason because the talent is there, but it's not a lock by any means, especially if some of the guys who I'm going to mention a little bit later have really strong ends to camp and preseason, then they really may be looking um, at some other options. And and that really stinks because it's a cliche, but the best avail- uh, the best ability really is availability when you're not available. A lot of the times you can be very talented, but if you can't use those abilities on the field, then they're worthless. So you've got to be available. And Marlon, frankly, you know, unfortunately just hasn't been enough. Uh, so that's that's tough to see. Again, I hope he's on this roster. I, I still have high hopes if he can be healthy. But this is a is a tough setback. Um, the second thing I want to touch on the Deshaun Watson ruling uh, came out, you know, officially 11 games. Um, that means the Falcons will not see him in week four, which was already kind of the case based on the original six game ruling. So this just cements it. Uh, the Falcons will not see Deshaun Watson in week four. Browns are still a very good team. Um, if the run game or the run defense looks anything like it did against the Lions on that opening drive, they won't even need a quarterback. Uh, Nick Chubb will run for 400 yards against this defense. I'm kidding, but not not really. <laughs> um, so, you know, that that's just something to note, though. They will not be facing Deshaun Watson. And frankly, th- this shouldn't really even impact the way that you think about the Falcons pursuing Deshaun Watson. Uh, I've made my feelings clear on that. Uh, I think that was the wrong decision for so many different reasons. Uh, obviously, the, the allegations, um, disgusting. But I think the Falcons have been very clear and pretty good about implementing what I think is a three-year plan. All of their moves have made sense to at least some degree. And this one was just so out of left field that I, you know, it's just really tough to, to understand what they were doing here. I think that they they are lucky things turned out the way that they did ultimately, even if it cost them Matt Ryan. Um, so that's those are my thoughts on Deshaun Watson. Let's move on, shall we? Keyshawn Johnson, uh, the Falcons signed um, him earlier in the week. The receiver group is really, really deep. Um, kind of these reserve roles, a lot of players are, are vying for them. Demir Bird, Kaderil Hodge. Um, you know, you want to, Geronimo Allison is in that mix, I think. And then you've got some young guys like Jared Bernhardt and Stanley Berryhill, who, and Cameron Batson uh, has made some plays as well, who are further down, but young guys. I, I don't know where Keyshawn will, will fit in here. 
you know, but he's got, uh, he's played in 18 games, five starts, uh, 360 yards, 36 catches, 10 yards catch. Like, it's fine. 6'1", 201. He's got some size to him. It'll be interesting to, to see how he performs, but I think he's going to really, really have to pop over the rest of the preseason to, you know, stand out. Obviously, maybe he's a key special teams player. I don't know. I need to see him um, in person next week to really kind of get a sense for how they're going to use him. But that's notable that they uh, are making a change at a position where uh, it feels like they've got a lot of strong candidates uh, for roster spots. Last note before we get into some players who I think need to have really good joint practices and a, and a strong preseason game to really help their case for a roster spot. So we will get to that in one second. But the final bit of news from the week that I want to touch on is Isaiah Oliver getting some work at safety. And I think that this is really interesting for two reasons. One, Isaiah Oliver has said, and the team has said that they do have a very specific plan in place for his rehabilitation for him to be ready week one. So that means you're, you're probably not seeing him in any preseason game, but that their target date is that first game against new Orleans. That makes perfect sense. You know, Isaiah Oliver is, they know what they've gotten Isaiah Oliver. If they chose to sign him to a, a one-year deal, even after the injury, that means that they have a vision, a clear role mapped out for him. So the safety bit of it all, A, I think it's smart cross-training, right? That is a big part of, of rehabilitation and coming back is getting your body to do a wide variety of different movements um, to strengthen all of those muscle, muscles to build back up to you know, full kind of fluidity and confidence in your movement. So from that standpoint, it makes sense. But the other part is, again, I really think this defense is going to be very versatile and multiple to a level that you know, certainly we didn't see last year, but that we have not seen in a long time because Dan Quinn's defense, you know, for better and worse was not that. And Dean Pease has said, and Arthur Smith, you know, has, has kind of, kind of reiterated as well is the safety and the nickel corner roles are a little bit interchangeable. And that makes sense because a lot of the league is going towards these big nickel players, which were some of these like star linebackers that you saw in college uh, seven years ago or so, Alabama, Georgia, like these guys, these Jack star linebackers that are big nickel players. They can run with tight ends. They can run, you know, are a little bit bigger than these smaller receivers, but still have the athleticism to keep up and are just better against the run. The NFL is starting to use a little bit more of that as well. And as receivers are getting bigger, the sizes are just making more sense and the athletes are getting better. So Isaiah Oliver, we believe, is going to be the starting nickel this season, but the way that they're going to interchange that with maybe walking Jalen Hawkins down at points with Richie Grant down at points, can Isaiah Oliver slide back and at least cover, you know, one half of the field? He's got the length and, you know, he's got probably somewhat of the range uh, because he he could go straight line with a lot of receivers. So you would trust him with a little bit of a head start to people maybe cover a deep half if he has to just for the sake of disguising your defense. So that's something that stood out to me. I think that that means, you know, that Isaiah Oliver's recovery is coming along fairly smoothly if they feel confident enough to get him some some more work, some more reps, finding more ways to get him on the practice field and at a little bit of a different spot that requires probably a little bit more straight line running, if as, if not as much lateral movement as as work at nickel. 
So again, I think it's all just part of cross-training and getting him fully ready to do any movement needed, as well as getting him some work at probably a role that we may see him play more than originally anticipated. So those are just some of the news and, and highlights and notable things that occurred throughout the week that I wanted to touch on um, before we get into some of the joint practices. Speaking of which, here are just a few guys in kind of reading some of the stuff throughout the week after the preseason game that I wrote down who I think can really help themselves with good joint practices and a strong preseason game. Some of these guys, that'll mean their second really good preseason game. And if you could do that in a you know, new world where there are only three preseason games, that's a pretty, pretty strong showing and a, and a pretty decent, you know, resume for making a roster spot. So anyway, that is enough of a preamble. Um, the first one, Jalen Dalton, obviously got a sack late in the game. I thought even before getting that sack was having a really strong game. I think that he did something that the starting defensive line did not do enough of, which was occupy blocks and move offensive linemen so that his teammates could occupy some of that free space that he was creating. And then it was great to see him, you know, get that sack late in the game. He has been somebody that, you know, frankly, since he started one of the fights early in, in training camp, his name just keeps popping up. And that is one of the keys this time of year is, are you a player whose name is constantly popping up? And for somebody who was maybe considered uh, an outside looking in roster guy at the start of training camp. That's how you work your way into people talking about you on on the fence and and kind of lately, maybe on the inside of that border and taking up one of those final roster spots. So I think that he could really put himself in a solid spot to make one of these roster spots for a defensive line group that I think is still trying to figure out precisely what its rotation is. And Jalen Dalton you know, being somebody who kind of comes on strong and earns a spot, I think that's the tenacity they're looking for, especially along the defensive line. So again, I, I think the Jets have a pretty decent offensive line. If he is able to win some one-on-one -on -one matchups to kind of make some splash plays, if he gets in the rotation uh, in some 11-on-11 scrimmage style uh, drills, yeah, then then he could start certainly being in a lot of these. I think he already is in these 53-man roster projections, but I think he would be closer to somewhat of a lock. Uh, the other player on the defensive line who's been getting some run since he's been signed is Adu Abdullah Anderson. I, I think that his size, 6'4", 303, the Falcons have clearly been looking for somebody who can anchor the middle of this defensive line. I think that he's the latest iteration of that. And, you know, I don't know. It's too early, I think, to tell really where he stands in terms of the roster. But I think that they're going to give him every opportunity to figure something out with this role that they are still really trying to to fill. Um, and so if he has a couple of good practices against, you know, the Jets, again, I think they've got a decent offensive line, then that'll go a long way. If he follows that up with a great preseason game, that'll go even further. And maybe they will feel comfortable at least continuing this tryout into the season and then adjusting if they need to. Um, but Abdullah Anderson, I think, could earn himself a, a pretty solid look here over the last couple of weeks with um, a strong few days. 
And then linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski. I hope I said that right. It sounded really good. Um, <laughs> he's, you know, missed about a week with injury. Before that, he wasn't really flashing or popping to me uh, in the couple of practices that I saw. Uh, not a ton, you know, reported about him, which to me indicates that he's not flashing and popping in some of the other practices as well. You do have other guys like Dorian Etheridge and, and Nathan Landman um, and Quentin Bell, who I think are making some of these notable plays. Certainly Dorian Etheridge kind of seemed like controlled a lot of the defense after the first unit um, in that first preseason game against the Lions. Nathan Landman is, you know, somebody who's just kind of fun to watch when he, he plays. He's a little, feels like a little bit of that throwback linebacker. The Falcons may value his toughness, certainly on special teams as well. And, you know, I know that Nick Kwiatkowski was brought here as kind of a veteran, maybe reserve guy that they could rely on. But I think the injury set him back as other guys have kind of made a forward push. He's going to, I think, really have to have a good couple of joint practices. Obviously, that's difficult if he is still dinged up. You got to trust that that they're going to put him out there when he feels good. But, you know, he may sense clocks ticking a little bit. So, I, I hope that he has a good um, couple of, of practices in a preseason game, but he's truly in a battle. Um, he was probably always in a battle, to be honest. This linebacker group also feels a little bit like the receivers where you've got some guys who have the starting roles and you feel pretty confident about maybe the top three, but everybody below that is kind of fighting for a spot. And it's a six-person, may the best two or three win kind of race. Um, and so it's not necessarily surprising that a few guys feel like they're ahead of him at this point for that reason. Um, two more here, or actually three more here. Uh, tight end Parker Hesse had a few drops in the first game, had, uh, you know, I believe another drop in Sunday's practice that I was watching, but the team clearly sees something in him because they're giving him so many reps. Now, I've seen players before in training camp where they're honestly giving him so many reps, A, to spare some starters who are clearly solidified out of position. I think tight end falls in that category. You know, um, Kyle Pitts certainly doesn't need a lot of run. I feel like Anthony Ferkser's job is pretty clear um, to the team. Felipe Franks, you know, obviously, but, I, you know, I, I think that they, Parker Hesse clearly has an inside shot at one of these, of the younger tight ends um, in the mix. Your John Reigns, your John Fitzpatrick's, of the world um, and Michael Pruitt. I, I'm still trying to figure out where he fits into everything, but they are giving Parker Hesse a lot of run in practice and in that first preseason game. So there's something that they're looking for there. And yes, he he had a couple of drops in that first game. He did have that drop in practice, but he's he's also made some good catches. He does move well after the catch. Um, you know, I haven't been too locked in on him as a blocker. That's something that I'll try to look out for a little bit more on, on Monday, but yeah, there, there's something here that they're trying to find. And if he does at some point start paying that off and puts together a solid joint practice, a couple of days, and then, and then a good preseason game where he's clearly getting some looks. And, you know, if he goes three cat three for three on three catches, three targets and 36 yards and maybe a touchdown, then that's solid. Right. Like that's another good preseason game after getting a touchdown the first time around. So he's another one. But yeah, I personally don't know if I see it, but the team clearly is looking for something there. Um, next couple. So Tyler Algier running back. 
I I think that he's in a pretty solid spot. And I think a lot of people are rightfully excited to see what he will do in this season. The only reason he's on this list here, because I don't think he needs to have, uh, you know, the most standout kind of couple of days and, and preseason. Like, again, I think he's pretty solidly safe here. I just think he's the running back that benefits the most right now from going full contact and especially full contact against another team where the coaches aren't going to mind if you really deliver the pop on a player because it's not your player. He is that type of runner. I think that the few carries that he did get in that preseason game, like did him huge service because everybody, it was like, yep, that's all I need to see. This dude can run through some tackles and loves doing it. And I think that all he needs to do is have a couple more, um, you know, maybe a, a video of him in a practice drill running over a dude that, that just kind of blows up. That'd be awesome. But then that preseason game, getting in there and showing that, yeah, you can bang at the NFL level and kind of carve out a bigger role for him where now he's getting some runs maybe with the, the twos in the second quarter or whatever and not relegated to kind of like that second half role of the preseason. That is what I think is maybe at stake more for him and, and more of that early down role. Now he's got to prove that, you know, he can do it as a pass protector, things like that. Um, for the team to feel confident. That was one of the biggest assets for Mike Davis last year. That's why, you know, they were able to really move uh, Corderell Patterson out as a receiver so frequently because Mike Davis was a really solid pass protector and, and could stand in there. Um, they need to find a running back that can do that. Usually that's a weaker spot for rookies. That's why I think we've seen Quadri Allison in there a lot on third down because he's improved in that area. But Tyler Algier, I think, is is another player who the team is high on, and he will benefit from really having the pads on and just being able to go full live. Um, last one here is also a running back, but I'm starting to question that just a little bit because the more that I watch Avery Williams play, it's just like a, a mini, a mini Cordero Patterson. Man, it's like that's they are moving him out of the backfield when he's in there. So a lot of times he's not even in there. They're just he's out there as a receiver. He is a space weapon, I think, in the eyes of the Falcons. And it makes a lot of sense, right? He has that return background, just like CP does. And the way that I've seen him see space and then react to that space during training camp is awesome. It just catches your eye because he cuts in a way that kind of doesn't even seem like it's an option until he does it. And then you're like, oh, I get what you saw there. I know why you did this. That makes perfect sense, but he just sees it before I do, certainly, which is probably why he's playing in the NFL and I'm talking about it, but it's so cool to watch. And so I really want to see him kind of be one of the standout offensive players from these joint practices. I'd love to see him kind of make some of these viral clips where he makes a man miss in space or he's just you know, one of these guys who in the write up after the practice is like Avery Williams just owned in one-on-one drills, getting open, um, you know, had a good special teams play and, you know, caught four passes in various team drills. Like that would be a great day. And then I think certainly I want to see what he can do a little bit more as a returner um, in the preseason game than we did the first time around, but just continued usage in this offense. uh, And I think that he will, I think he's already solidly on the roster because of just his importance on special teams and the role that he's starting to carve out offensively. I just think that that role will ratchet up even more 
if uh, he continues to reward the interest that they're showing in him as that type of offensive weapon writ large, even though he's going to be, quote unquote, a running back. Again, it's going to be a very fluid job title um, for Avery Williams. So that's it. That's all we got for today's podcast. Told you guys I would keep it short um, this week. So thank you all for tuning in. We are, you know, almost wrapped up with training camp. Got kind of another full week left and then roster cutdowns. Two more games left to go. So bear with me. And then the regular season will be upon us. We've got a lot of really cool stuff planned this season on the podcast. We will be keeping you guys, of course, up to date with everything Falcons football throughout the year. All the biggest news. Um, We're going to get a lot of cool guests on and Ovi will be back to provide his NFL expertise as well. So stay tuned for that. Today's podcast is presented by Bet Online, and we will be back again Monday morning with Mike Rothstein breaking down the Jets-Falcons preseason game, their second of the preseason. But until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.